This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. ¿Qué tal amigos? Les habla el cero miedo de la lucha libre, Pentagon Junior, para mandar un saludo a todos mis amigos de este podcast. Y ya saben, puro cero miedo. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to our episode on Survivor Series and TakeOver 2018, number 105. I'm Nick Howell. And I'm the realest guy in the room who's still allowed into Staples Center. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. <laughs> and welcome to our Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver Los Angeles recap show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a... <laughs> this is gonna be a big one today, Nick. We normally a try humdinger. To, we try to keep these around an hour usually, the recap uh, and thoughts episodes. But I th- we might go over today. There's a lot to there's a lot of stuff to unpack and discuss and and opinionate on because a lot happened in just two short days. Yeah, forty eight hours. <laughs> Seven point two five short hours of of wrestling. Short, I say. Uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. And you know what? Overall, I'd say a pretty solid weekend. A pretty solid weekend of wrestling. I really don't have many complaints. This is going to be a mostly positive, mostly (laughs) positive uh, review from my standpoint, because I I feel the same way you do. I I thoroughly enjoyed this weekend, both both shows. Definitely definitely some things to, to gripe about, because we wouldn't be WWE fans if we didn't gripe about something. Of course. Uh, Of course. But this... Overall, yeah, a lot of lot of positive things to take away from it, and I think some things that have been kvetched about on the interwebs that uh, I want to actually go out and say, you know what, it's not that bad. Let's 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 take a, a step back, take a breath, and look at it from a a, a more realistic standpoint. So definitely some sure. some opinions going to get thrown out today, Mister Howell. Yes, but before we do that, let's uh, let's do some housekeeping uh, so we can get this ball rolling and get underway because I'm chomping at the great bit. minds As think always, alike. Guys, Hit it. Yeah, over in the on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group is the hub of our operation. Be sure to come over there, join in the conversations, weigh in with your opinions, and let us know what you guys think about the outcomes. Again, Busted Wide Open on Facebook. Hit a little join request, and we'll get you in. You can also follow us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Also on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. We will be going live again soon 
as soon as I can clean up this crazy mess that I've got around me uh, and get some actual desks in here. Uh, we'll, we'll be going back on YouTube, but definitely go over there and hit that subscribe button with the little notification bell so that you get alerted anytime we put up new videos or, as I mentioned previously, go live. Last but certainly not least, if you love what we do and want to support this show, head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our awesome tiers, including the $5 tier, where you can, uh, every single week for $5 a month, submit your listener questions to our main show, and we will address them right here. You get copies of the show notes. Uh, the $10 tier, you get bonus episodes every month in addition to all of that, and much, much more. So be sure to head over to patreon.com slash BWO. W-O. Yes, indeed, Mr. Howell. But you know what? I think it's time that we head on over and talk about We got a lot to get through. So let's head yes. on over and talk about Survivor Series. Well, we got to kick things off as we normally do with the, the massive two-hour pre-show that culminated in about a 15 minute match it was longer than that it was a, it was at least a half an hour match but it was okay the free show <laughs> was long and there was a lot of I, honestly like for whatever reason i do tend to watch the pre-show because sometimes they put a lot of like storyline in there especially if they haven't had a lot of build for the show and with this there was a lot of stuff that they hadn't that they had to do a lot of last minute jumping around with with uh, angles and whatnot so i, I suspected there was going to be some some plot at the top of the show. And there was a little bit, but not enough to really be noticeable. They did, they did do a lot of stuff with the pre-show. But the thing I want to call out is that uh, off of his assignment in wherever the hell he was, Coach was back once again being awful and exposing the business. And I, I wish he'd just go back away again. Yeah, please go back to ESPN or under whatever did you hear him? Did you, you hear him? from yeah. under. Did you hear what he said? He said he said Nia Jax punched Becky in the face for real. As opposed to what, coach? Yeah. As opposed to what? You know you know what kayfabe is, right? Just because it's dead does not mean it's dead, dude. God! It's like him calling the, the bear hug a rest hold. Get off my wrestling! Get out of here! Oh, oh. Just give me Booker T. Booker T was back only for a little bit on this, and I, I love Booker T. Yeah, I think he's, somebody he's in the insane. discussion group says, you know, I, I think the only thing the pre-show did for me today was remind me how much I actually miss Booker T. Dude, you put him next to Coach, and he's like, he's gold. You realize how good Booker T is when you put him next to a, a jabroni like Coach, who's just awful. Oh, he's bad. Anyway, uh, but yes, we did have, so a bunch of pre-show, but we did actually have, as you said, a match. I have to calm myself down over here. <laughs> <sighs> we had a match. Which was the Tag Team Survivor Series Battle Royale, um, which was from Raw. You had the Ascension, the B-Team, Lucha House Party, all three members somehow. The Revival, Gable and Rude, versus SmackDown, which was the Usos, New Day, Sanity, Good Brothers, and the Colognes coming out of the woodwork from wherever they were exiled to. Uh, This was, on the one hand, to me, very depressing, but also a really fun match. It was, I thought it was really sloppy at first because there's just so many people, yeah. and obviously it's hard to too many make dudes that work at first. But once it settled down, it was it was fine and actually became a pretty good match well, once we were down to Gable Rude versus New Day and Usos. I'm going to go one step further. Uh, when we got down to Usos squaring off against the Revival, I got a little excited. 
That's that is a feud I want to see. I think it's a feud sure. we've all wanted to see. I've, it's it's like modern day Usos with the old two time NXT tag champion revival, and it just you know I don't want to call it a dream match, but I feel like it would be a, a dream match if we had those two guys legit going at each other. Or those four guys, I should say, the, those two teams. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I actually agree that that's a really to me that's based on the skill of the two teams. I think that's a really exciting matchup. And I frankly wish that they had had more time to work because what I did see was really, really good. Yep. Unfortunately, for some of the online community, from what I've seen, there's a bit of the stink of Roman Reigns that's now on the Usos. And they're like, oh, they're just there because of their their cousin. And I'm like, maybe, but they're also there because they're really freaking good. And so are the Revival. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that were really freaking good in this match, like Sanity, who went out without doing a damn thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Ascension actually, I got, I think got more in than Sanity did. Um, and it was, yeah. So, but that's unfortunately kind of the tale of Survivor Series is when you have these elimination matches, someone that you like is going to go out looking like an idiot and it's going to piss you off. And that's, that's kind of what happened here. But Hugh Bobby Roode. (laughs) Well, and hey, dude, is Bobby Roode's gimmick officially dead? Because everyone's kind of like half-assed doing the, oh, yeah, glorious, okay. And then he, now he's like, every time he does it in the ring, it's almost kind of a joke. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's even the seems, other superstars are also kind of mocking him with it. That's what I'm saying, yeah. is at this point, it's become, it's like the dad who's still trying to be relevant. <laughs> you know, it's what it feels like with him doing it now. And it's, God, dad, stop. Stop, dad. Oh, oh not, not in again. the mall. Don't be go, Don't do the glorious in the mall. I'm trying to shop at, shop at Hot Topic, dad. God. <laughs> um, the other thing I had a problem with this was SmackDown Live, I thought, based on, uh, and this is, we'll, we'll, is going to be a recurring thing with uh, my, my albatross. Your albatross is Nia Jax. Mine is the treatment of the tag teams on the main roster, is that, with I, I think based on the opening statements, it was Coach, but I digress. Go ahead. Coach isn't an albatross. Co- coach is a, a government mule. He's already dead. Like that's I. He just <laughs> I get triggered when I see Coach. You know, my wrestling. Uh, but no, SmackDown Live looked weak here because those teams on SmackDown Live have looked, because they're booked so well, they've looked relatively stronger than all the teams on Raw who just all got beaten down by one man a week ago. So when these teams come in and beat the SmackDown teams, it makes them look worse. Yeah, And it's one of the reasons why we picked SmackDown to win this match was because we were like, dude, there's no way that with the booking that they've done so far that Raw even looks like they could compete. And frankly, it was weird seeing them being competitive. It just felt off. And yeah, I mean, I I thought it was just me, but a lot of the reaction from the crowd apparently was very similar. Or lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) yes, they were still, quote, filing in, but it was pretty pretty full in there by the time this was happening. Right. But we were right. SmackDown did pick up the victory. Uh, I have heard since that apparently this may have been some sort of miscommunication between Vince McMahon and the higher-ups and the people who were actually booking the match. Apparently, Raw was supposed to win this match, according to Vince McMahon's decree. And somewhere, communication breakdown and it didn't happen, which is why for the rest of the show... They had to point out that SmackDown's victory on the pre-show 
did not count towards the overall tally of the who who had won most Survivor Series matches. Who was in the lead yep. in Survivor Series between the brands, which was awkward, awkward to say the least. Uh, what does that say to every other pre-show match before it when it thank doesn't you. count? Thank you, boy. Hi, Austin Aries and, and, uh, Neville. and Neville. Yeah, boy. I, I, anyone else who's ever been on a pre-show and defended it? Uh, this is the thing: is like, okay, if it was a screw up, and this is obviously a report we're getting from Wrestling Observer, so take it with a grain of salt. But if that is the case, and it was just a communication breakdown, all right, fine. They didn't mean to make it not count. But if they did mean to make it not count, man, God forbid you ever be on the pre-show. And in addition. I, I'm I'm really hoping that it was something that they screwed up on, because let me let me pull my albatross out of the closet here. If you're a tag team on either brand, this drives home to you the fact that you are irrelevant. Yep, irrelevant, and it's it doesn't help with the the tag team champion versus champion match later in the show, which oh we'll get to. But the fact is is that if this was planned to have the tag teams compete and then not have the winner be counted towards the overall total of wins, yeah. then that really drives home the fact that tag teams are irrelevant in WWE. Unfor- well, at least on Raw. Well, especially on Raw, but you know, if and we'll get to how this how this went down on the show, but for SmackDown, this was a very important win. And the fact that it wasn't counted is it means a lot, but anyway, that's we could we could go off on that. But the bottom line is, I, I was kind of irritated that they then were like, "Oh yeah, it didn't count. Never mind." Burp, burp, burp. You know, I'm just hoping it was a mistake. Let's get so over. Ultimately, to the-, the plan was to have Raw basically run the card, and then you know, uh, because this because of the communication, this was the one thing that SmackDown ended up winning. That was yeah. the. That was the screw. Okay. Well, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to get to that later. But yes, Raw ran. Well, everybody, the card. if they're listening to this, they've seen Survivor Series or more, not. More maybe they likely. haven't. Maybe they're listening to us to get there to instead okay. of having to Spoiler watch. Alert. All Sorry, guys. Seven hours. <laughs> yeah, Howell. Uh, so no, this was okay. That was how this all started out. It was a fine match. It was entertaining. It got to it got to where it was going at the end. Yeah. Then we had the real Survivor Series kickoff. And the very first match was the women's Survivor Series match. And out first came SmackDown again, who, by the way, SmackDown across the board, this is going to be a recurring theme as well, was SmackDown across the board getting cheered and Raw being the heel brand. Uh, LA was a very smarky crowd, apparently. Always are. But uh, here we had Asuka, Naomi, Sonya, Carmella, and Mandy. 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 Who is your fifth member? Your surprise fifth member? I don't know why they made that a surprise until the day of the show. Maybe they had some other, like, th- th- like they were like weighing their options, and that the last they telegraphed like, ah, it with her promo two weeks ago. Screw it, we'll have Mandy. Why not? You know, it wasn't really relevant in the match. So that was what was weird. It was like yeah. Mandy could have been there or not. It didn't really change that much. But uh, yeah, so Mandy was your fifth member of Team SmackDown, and then over on Raw, for some reason. There was a bit of a, a scuffle before on the pre-show, before the show, where... Allegedly. Uh, yeah, well, Ruby Riot and Natalia couldn't get along because Ruby broke Natalia's dad's glasses. Boo, boo, bagoo. And so they both got kicked off the team by Alexa Bliss, who then replaced them with Sasha and Bailey. 
And in a moment that just defies all logic, Sasha and Bailey accepted. Like good, dumb WWE faces. Well, you know, we know you guys don't like us, and we know that, you know, you screwed us over time and time again, but there's no way you would screw us over one more time in this match, so I guess we'll do the match. <laughs> Magoo. Mag- oh, ter- anyway, so Bailey and Sasha got on the team, which is a, I, it's a smart decision from a booking standpoint, but why? why? Because they're, the, they're bigger stars than Ruby Riot and Natalia. I don't know why they teased us with Ruby and Natalia in the first place. It was a dumb extra little snippet of a story. You know, uh, I, sure. But it just made them look dumb. Anyway, Sasha and Bailey. It just Mickey felt James. very cookie cutter to me. And I was very excited about. Did I take it as a personal slight? No, but it was almost there that they removed Ruby Riot from you that. You took it a little personally. I, I think she was kind of an X factor on that team. And that was the interesting part of Alexa picking her initially. I'm I'm not trying to read too much into this here, but no, it's you know it, it was more interesting than cookie cutter Sasha Bailey 7.0. Now, uh, you're, you're, this is coming from a place where you're sick of Sasha and Bailey, and I am. Ruby. You're excited by Ruby Riot. I, I, I would feel confident in saying that I speak for the uh, the large majority of smarky wrestling fans <laughs> that are tired of the Sasha and Bailey going nowhere thing. That is accurate. All right, so I'll I'll give you that one. <laughs> but suffice it to say that we ended up getting Sasha and Bailey, and fine. And actually, I thought it worked out well in terms of the dynamics of the match. We also had Mickey James, Tamina, and the most hated women in wrestling, Nia Jax who came out, as you might have expected, to a round chorus of boos. And she was dusting off her, her, her hand, her fist that she broke Becky's face with. They were giving her the hashtag facebreaker. Oh, they're, they're driving this train right into the heat. They're yeah. going right into this. Oh, oh, just turn man. the Titanic right into it. Uh, Sons of bitches. Is that appropriate to, to use Titanic as an analogy? Never mind. Anyway, so it's, uh, it would be her ice. We are we are not in any way body shaming on this show. So uh, now, was that the correct decision to turn that ship into the heat? Like, are you one of the people that is like, ah, I can't like you're pissed off at Naya so much that you don't think they should take advantage of people hating her, like hating her this much? They absolutely should take advantage of it. It wrestling is as wrestling do, you know, it's, this is, it's wrestling one-on-one it, when you've got an opportunity, be it baby face or heel steer into it mm-hmm. and they're doing it. Well, we're seeing it orchestrated beautifully with, with Becky and, and Charlotte, and we're seeing it now, probably much to my despair, <laughs> it's going to be orchestrated very well with nine now. And this is, this is, as you said, in your prepared statement on episode one Oh four, the only way you'd be happy is if Nia Jax was released from the company. Yeah, I agree. I still, I still feel that way. Now, are you? I, but I, are don't, you, I don't want her to hurt anybody okay. else, guys. So That's you're, really what that comes down to. So you don't care if this is the smart thing to do from a business standpoint. You want her gone still. I, yes. Okay. I, let me be clear because I, I absolutely want her gone still. <laughs> so if she's gonna stay. From a business standpoint, yes, it would be very smart of WWE to an extent to steer the ship into this at the potential crapshoot 
of her injuring somebody else mm. again and again and again and again and again. Well, they certainly so, they certainly made it easy for her not to in this match because she was barely in it. She had a lot of resting outside. Um, but every time she came in, oh boy, people were booing. Yep, they didn't like her. And uh, as we called on this show, Nick, it was uh, everyone was eliminated. You had uh, Naomi get eliminated by Tamina. Tamina get eliminated by Carmella. Mickey James get eliminated by Mandy Rose. Carmella get eliminated by Bailey, and then uh, Mandy Rose got eliminated by Sasha Banks. Bailey and Sasha and Sonya Deville got a double countout, which you rarely see in uh, Survivor Series. They they were outside beating the crap out of each other and got counted out. Uh, Sasha Banks then was betrayed by Nia Jax, pushed off the top rope so that Asuka could snap on the Asuka lock. And then while Asuka was still distracted, Nia came in. And as we called, sir, on this show, Asuka was then pinned one, two, three by Nia Jax to even more heat from this partisan crowd. Poor Asuka. Yeah, seriously. But again... Poor Asuka, but she was also the fan favorite that was the most, like, and when I was calling this, when I was saying, if they're going to turn this ship into the Nia Heat, what is the most heel thing they could do is have Nia pin Asuka, because that will piss people off the most, and that's what they did. So not really poor Asuka. Yes, she's a shadow of what she once was, and they're definitely wasting the potential that they built with her, but at the same time, She's still so beloved, and she was made to look like a monster in this match. Um, she, she's still fine. She's looking better than when they when they Naomi. decide to give her a push. She's going to come out to an eruption of cheers. Yeah, it, it 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 could be six months from now. It could be two years from now. Oscar is Oscar. Yeah, and she it's she's going to be fine. I'm not worried about that at all. I believe me. My short term memory booking stuff makes me just turn my nose up at what's happened to her since she debuted. But at the same time, it's it's still going to be Asuka a year from now. I forget whenever if was, they decide to do something with it. It was Bully Ray or Jericho or who said this, but they said that even someone like a Heath Slater is one good year of booking away from WrestleMania main event. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you just book them right for a, for a little bit, you can build anybody back up. You know what I mean? They were able to put Jinder in the main event scene in three months, and I think the only reason that didn't really work was because of the booking once he was the champ. And also his, and some of it was his performance. But the point is, is that they, man, Oscar, they could build her back up tomorrow if they wanted to. Yeah, she's turnkey, right? So I think this was the right decision here to have Nia go over her and just pick up that extra heat heading into a Ronda Rousey feud. She's hated. They're going to make her even more hated. They get, they are, they now have their monster woman heel which I think that they, they've needed. They've had women heels before, but they've always been chicken shit. When was the last time you had a monster woman heel? Hey, I, I can't remember. Uh, I'm trying to think, too. I mean, maybe Kong or someone. I'd, yeah. Tamina was probably the last one. Well, and, that doesn't count. You know, it, I, I, <laughs> is what it is. She would, but it, she, they tried to position her that way. But if I, I she mean, never really connected. So Beth Phoenix, I got to go back to, you know, she wasn't even a monster. She was just she was a big and she'd beat the hell out that's of you, but I mean, that's I'd, I mean. I'd put her in monster category on the, from a women's standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. So yes, uh, we both called raw on this one because the raw woman just, uh, it just seemed right because Naya the timing with Naya. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, and it was, and honestly it was a fine match. It was a, actually a very, I thought a very well worked match top to bottom. Everyone got their spots in. 
Um, ultimately, I thought Bailey and Sasha, it was the right decision because they worked really well in this match as being strong women wrestlers. I thought even, even Mandy and Sonya looked good in this match. I think the only person who didn't really get any time was Naomi, and she's also bulletproof, I think, at this point. Mm. Um, moving on, the next match we had was the Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura Intercontinental versus U.S. title. And this was a match I was really looking forward to, and I was also really nervous about. I don't know about you, but uh, I was nervous to the extent that uh, I, I think the right way to say it is: that Are they going to do what we think they're going to do? And if not, I hope they give us the dream match we've always wanted between the first couple of NXT champions. Yeah, and we've been waiting for this. We've been sitting here waiting for after their call-ups, Seth and Nakamura. Oh, yeah. And we, we kind of got about 10% of that. And when I saw that it was going a little bit slow, I was going, yeah, they're just, they're, they're treading water here a little bit until Dean comes running in and, and just to mess with Seth. And it never, happened. it never, not only did it not ever happen, but Honestly, I, I don't understand the logic of whatever agent booked this match or whoever put this match together. I don't understand the logic of having two of your most potentially electrifying performers start that slow. And this has been a problem for Shinsuke Nakamura on the main roster almost from the beginning. Is This yeah. guy is electrifying. Go back and watch his matches in New Japan. Go watch his matches in NXT. He can be electrifying, but you have to play to his strengths. He's having a tough time working in this slow build WWE style for whatever reason. And a lot of people are saying it's because of his work rate. And I'm looking at it and seeing him earnestly trying to make this work, but not knowing really how to slow down in the same kind of way that WWE wants you to do. And I don't know if they're trying to cookie cutter force him into that or, or what it is. But the but this match. Well, these are two guys that you don't need to slow no, down. Exactly. Though. Take the friggin' leash off and turn them loose. It's like Seth versus Finn or AJ versus Finn. Turn them loose. Let them loose. Just let them go nuts. Yeah, I don't know what's not connecting here. But the thing is, to, to it, it turned into a good match. They found it. They found it by the end. They found a really good match out of this. But it's just it did really. It took some uh, a while to get out of the blocks. I thought, and I thought that had nothing to do with the performers. It was everything to do with the booking of the match where I was like, why don't you let these guys come out hot? Uh, and maybe it had to do with the cruiserweight championship later, which was booked that way. And I've looked at that match and went, why didn't you book Nakamura Seth like this? You yeah. know what I mean? You could have gotten people more engaged in that match. Any, at any rate, it was also interesting that Dean did not come out. To interfere in this match, and one of the reasons. So why even have that promo on SmackDown? So this was, on Raw. This was or on Raw. This sorry, was, this was our point on our last show. Was we we both picked Shinsuke Nakamura because we both said if they had this whole angle on Raw where Seth openly said, "I'm not thinking about Nakamura and my match with him because I'm too busy thinking about Dean." Yeah, we both looked at that and said, "Okay, there's no way they would have that segment because it makes Nakamura look like a joke." It makes it look like he's not worth considering. And they had to backpedal that on this show. In the pre-show, Seth had to run back that and say like, oh, no. Or actually, after this match, he had to run back those words and say, I had to think about Nakamura. Well, then why have that bit on Monday, dude? It was, it was dumb 
story psychology to have him come out and say, I'm not thinking about Nakamura because I'm too busy thinking about Dean, and then have Dean on the monitors burning the shield uh, tack vest. That all would have worked fine if he had lost, and it would have been because he was preoccupied with Dean and not focusing exactly. on Shinsuke. But they're, they're, they're serving two different masters at the same time here, and it's killing right. it. To have now Seth beat Shinsuke clean completely and not only does it hurt the u.s belt that that shinsuke has barely defended or been on tv with but it also just absolutely murders shinsuke and i don't know if they're officially calling that one move that that shinsuke hit seth in the back of the head with a kinshasa they did at the time in the match they called it a kinshasa and i think they may have rolled it back because they're trying to keep the kinshasa strong but if they're sticking with that being a kinshasa then seth just kicked out of a freaking kinshasa which was one of the most protected moves for a while there. So they're really, they are dialing back uh, on Shinsuke majorly here. And I, oof. I, you know, I, much I, like I, I Asuka, think, I want him to come out and yell at people like in, like crazy in Japanese and kind of just do open challenge. And maybe he says it with a really thick Japanese accent as that's the only thing that we can understand him saying in English. But it, it just... Make him look like a stone cold killer. He looks WWE, like a wet washcloth right now. They have a long history of really misusing Japanese talent that are wild, like really good, really good Japanese talent. I, the, I, thinking back, there's only a couple that I can really think that they did anything somewhat significant with. But even guys like Tajiri was a comedy character that actually got over. It wasn't the character that he had in ECW where he actually killed people. <laughs> not, not literally, but you know what I mean. Right. He, was the, he was the Japanese buzzsaw. He, he would kick your head off. That was, that was scary. He came to WWE, and all of a sudden, he's joking around with William Regal. You know, Takamichinoku and Funaki, great wrestlers. Jokes when they came to WWE. And this weekend, we'll, this is a recurring theme. It was a bad weekend for Asian wrestlers in WWE, whether it was uh, Asuka getting pinned by Nia Jax or Shinsuke getting pinned clean here by Seth Rollins. Uh, it's, uh, it looks like WWE still has not learned its lessons about how they can make Japanese superstars work. And speaking of not learning lessons, we need to talk about the Tag Team Champions match AOP versus the big bar, the bar and the big show. Uh, before we get into this match, though, we got to talk about a little blip that happened before this match. Do we have actually to? really got underway? Yes, because it happened, Nick. That's fine. We That's need to, fair. We need, we need to make reference to it. There was a little bit of a, a disturbance in the audience uh, right before this match started. And if you were just watching this pay-per-view on WWE TV, you probably didn't know what it actually was because they did a good job of cutting around it and keeping the cameras off of it. Obviously, someone in the back knew what was going on. But our old buddy Enzo Amore apparently had either bought a ticket or snuck into the, uh, the crowd and had worked his way down to nearly the front row right behind the, uh, the super fans, the green shirt guy and long hair guy. And he stood up at the beginning of this match and started screaming out all his old catchphrases before being tackled by security and removed from the premises. Well, he is uh, tweeting out that he is owed a Survivor Series chair, commemorative chair, because of his uh, second or third row seat. So I'm assuming he purchased a ticket under some sort of alias or something like that and got into the building. But either way, man, irrelevance is, is a foul temptress 
to make I'd you like to do get a something for, like this for, for Benzo Gamore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, did you say? Wait, what did you say? You just said you said irrelevance is a foul temptress. Yes, I'm going to say what I said to you online. I have never been tempted by irrelevance, ever. When you're when you go from the the high that he was on to the low that he's probably at now, because the money's probably running out. It's yeah. You end up doing dumb shit like this just to get 15 seconds and increase your Twitter followers. Spent all his money on that terrible album of his. Well, that too, or the ticket to the second row in Survivor Series, (laughs) which couldn't have been cheap. That was the last of it. That was last of his money. Uh, Yeah, no, this 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 was just sad. It was really sad, and actually, if you see the footage of him getting tackled and dragged away, first of all, not only did he get tackled, by the same woman security guard who tried to prevent Gronk from entering WrestleMania when he was supposed to enter WrestleMania. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. They had the one female security guard who wasn't clued in to what was happening, yeah. and she tried to keep Gronk out. Well, she she tackled Enzo, almost took him to the floor. Uh, but it's it's all over Twitter, and you know you can see a lot of the clips. People were obviously filming it. It's really sad. Yep. It really is a guy who's desperately hungry for attention and doesn't know how else to get it. And this just, if he wasn't already hated by the locker room, boy, he is now. Yep. And if there's four dudes you don't want coming after you in a dark alley, it's AOP and the bar and Big Show. Uh, you know, I think it was you that so, made, was it you that made the comment that Cesaro should have run up into him and split him in half like a beach ball? Yeah, I, I think I, I made some sort of joke about how Cesaro doesn't like being, being interrupted from the crowd, and Enzo Amore is is about as brain dead as a beach ball. So it's not a it's not a big stretch to think of Cesaro ripping him in two. But anyway, enough about Mister Irrelevant uh, because he is on his quickly downward spiral spiraling. Let me say this again: he is quickly on a downward spiral to irrelevance, as you said. Let's stop talking about Enzo and start talking about this match. Because I got another gripe with this match. But before you get to your gripes, I want to say I love AOP coming out in masks. Oh, oh yeah. my! They looked badass. You can keep your Bludgeon Brothers in your goat masks. Holy smokes! They look well, like they look like Jason Voorhees twins walking down the ramp. Like, like Jason Voorhees had sex with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What sure. they look like? Yeah. But but fine. It still I'd watch looks- that cartoon. Jason Not the Voorhees. sex part, but the after oh, okay. part. Okay, all right. I was effect, say. Okay, I'll, I digress. Jason, Jason Voorhees, TMNT hentai. Bring it on. <laughs> uh, no, it's this was. <laughs> uh, it's in my head now. Sorry, guys. Um, the, the this is the thing is if if the Bludgeon Brothers hadn't been such a Vince McMahon project, he had them right here. Yep. This is the this is the same gimmick. Better. It's the same thing, only it's exactly it's better. It doesn't feel like a Saturday morning cartoon. It, I mean, it does a little bit, uh, but it's but not not in the same kind of bad, goofy way. I love yeah, I love AOP going back to the old NXT take. You know, when they come out of the takeovers, they come out in the mask. It's awesome. Uh, and I was looking forward to this match to be honest with you because it's a hoss fight, hoss fight, mm-hmm. big dudes beating up big dudes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know you like that. Mm-hmm. But then between Enzo kind of killing the energy at the top of this of this match and the audience not really being able to reconnect to it, and then the finish of this match, which saw the Big Show grab a running Drake Maverick by the neck, hoisting him up in the air by the neck until Drake 
peed his pants, graphically peed his pants while everyone stood around him and watched. Um, and then all of a sudden, because everyone was distracted, AOP quickly gets a roll up and they win. Yay. Uh, this match never really, nothing really ever really got going in this match. Besides a couple of cool spots, this, I, I thought this was another example of them completely devaluing the tag teams. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, you know, look at top, this. Yeah, forget ones. about the tag teams, but look at this funny little prank here. <laughs> look That's at funny. the little midgets. The little midget's gonna pee his pants. Ah, 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 ah. Laugh, damn it. That's just. It was such Vince McMahon, like nineteen ninety nine humor. I it it made me so. I got actually physically angry. Yeah. By this by this bit because it was so unnecessary and so dumb. And now Drake Maverick. Back in TNA and Impact was involved in some pretty immature, dumb angles and whatnot. But that Fine. was TNA. I get it. Right. Maybe it's maybe it's his predilection. Maybe he pitched it. I don't know. Whatever it is, it should have been shot down because now you've made your GM of 205 Live look like a chump. And you've made the manager of one of what should be the most terrifying tag teams on either brand look like a chump. And it was just the kind of stupid toilet humor that I wish had been left back in 2009. This was, I, I was so pissed off by this. Pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, oh, man. He says and then dives into toilet humor himself. No, yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't tell who ruined this match more, Enzo or Vince. I really can't. Yeah. I, Poor Drake. <laughs> You know, I, hey, I, you, we were joking about being Saturday Saturday morning cartoonish with the Bludgeon Brothers, and I, you know, Drake's tiny body with his huge head is, is somewhat Saturday morning cartoonish standing next to AOP. But I'll yeah. take it. I, I love AOP having managers. It's so much better. Yeah, I miss Paul Ellering. I really miss Paul sure. Ellering now. I miss his uh, promos. I don't. If he's going to pee his pants, you know he's got depends at well, this point. Yeah. Um, but oh. uh, hey, the one thing I'll give this bit was Big Show, who has been involved in his fair share of stupid gimmicks. Uh, his reaction to Drake peeing himself when he walked into the camera and, and laughed, that was, that was funny. That was... <laughs> in Anything hindsight. else we want to say about this? We both picked AOP yeah, to, we to win. We both picked AOP to win this because... I mean, yeah. is, is the Big Show novelty act over? They needed it. Are, are we moving on it. from the bar and all that? Uh, no, no, no. That's, that's just getting going. Um, and that because it was a distraction roll-up, it doesn't really take too much away from the bar, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. But the next match, I thought, was the first match that was a big deal of the night for a number of reasons, and that was Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship. Audience was dead to open this match. Did not care. Still burned from the stupidity of the end of the previous match. And also, I think still not aware that 205 Live is going to burn holes in their eye sockets once these guys get going. And as we said earlier in the Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins match, they booked this match so that two guys came out hot. Hot. This match started with some fireworks. Also, I'm wondering if... if did they, they must not have thought this through because between the matches, you had Drake Maverick basically narrating a video package of the rise of these two that right. what led to this match immediately after he just got done pissing himself on the pay-per-view. Yep. Did we not think this one through, guys? Nope. Nope. Someone didn't put two and two together on this one. Uh, either that or some like someone backstage somehow thinks that 
we're separating the Drake Mar- the Drake Maverick characters, like the AOP Drake Maverick and the 205 Live Drake Ma- make Drake Maverick are somehow in two we different realities. We all know realities. they're the same. What? <laughs> it's the, that'd be the dumbest thing. God. Um, but yes, this match was fantastic. It was what you is what I wanted to expect from this match was them killing it in this way, uh, co- coming out and being like, "Yep, we're the cruiserweights." This is what we do, and you could not have picked two better cruiserweights to come out and ball out than these two guys. Uh, Mustafa Ali was trying to kill himself to get over he was. this crowd. He was bumping like I've never seen. He was, he was doing, uh, there was a, a one where he came off the top rope backwards and hit the barricade. Ay, ay, ay. There was a Spanish fly off of the announce table. Incredible spots in this match. Uh, and sure enough, because I don't know why the audience hasn't picked up on this yet. <laughs> like when the cruiserweights come out, you're going to see a good match. They're still kind of sitting there with their arms crossed like, impress us. And they did because by the end, they were chanting 205 Live and they were on their feet. Yep. You know, once again, uh, the only thing I think kind of dampened them was the fact that Buddy Murphy retained. The obvious heel won. And, and Mustafa Ali is such an accessible baby face that I think that made people kind of go, oh. Well, I think that's oh, exactly look. why he, he lost and, and, and Murphy retained. You know, I, I think the fact that these two guys got going and you got a little bit of excitement, you know, starting about halfway through the match, once you saw that Spanish fly off the announce table and then they got the ring and they started doing the really crazy shit, it, the, that was when the crowd woke up. Yeah. And I think there was something that we, we saw the crowd wake up. Buddy Murphy just still looks like this in, indomitable monster. And if, just who's going to beat him now? Who, who's next? That's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know if it's a redemption story for Cedric that they're working on or or what. But yeah, uh, you know, Mustafa do you do Ali, a Tony Nice turn angle where he he oh god no. he he pisses him off. I mean, no. I can't even no. imagine Nice being. I can't imagine some, nice being any face. sort of face. You no, know. no. Uh, so yeah, I have no idea who's next for Buddy Murphy, but I don't care, man. That guy could 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 wrestle a blow up doll like Kota Ibushi. And uh, I'd be down to watch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, we both picked Murphy to retain here. It didn't make sense for, for him to lose it so quickly after winning it in Australia. I'm glad he retained. I like a good, strong heel champ. It's kind of going back to the Neville thing. If Neville had stuck around long enough for the, for the brand to actually get good, uh, which is it's sad that he, he picked up his kit and left all because of Enzo Amore, where if he just stuck around for six more months, Yep. It would have it would have come back around. Hit matches with him and Buddy Murphy would just be oh yeah. my god. Oh, who said oh that on our god. who said that on our Facebook page? Was it Jared who said uh, Murphy maybe. versus Pack? Oh yeah. Then we got to the men's Survivor Series match, which was surprising. I thought it was going to be the main event, but we had two main events after this match. It made perfect sense right where it was, in my opinion. One more note about the cruiserweight, real quick. How happy are we? That not only did was it not on the pre-show, it wasn't the opener of the entire pay-per-view. It was smack dab in the middle of the card where I think it should be. Ironically, right up there towards the the end of the card or the beginning of the series of kind of championship caliber of matches. It's funny. Um, I agree. Matches. It, it was kind of where it it, it it was it was where it worked out the best in hindsight. But I think when they were mapping out this card to begin with. They kind of mapped it out as the piss break match. It was the deep breath match before the Survivor Series match. But that match, the, the deep breath match, ended up being the tag team match because they booked that like 
like you know well what they a did literal with piss break like match. a literal piss break match waka 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 we're here all week folks uh yeah no this this ended up becoming a bigger deal because the guys worked their asses off yeah and because it was such a like what they did with the tag match was so stupid that that ended up being the one where everyone took the deep breath on, and this ended up being a bigger deal. So it ended up working out well. But yes, then the Survivor Series match was next. And from, uh, from Raw, we had Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley versus SmackDown Live being represented by Miz, Shane, Shane McMahon, uh, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, and Rey Mysterio. So this started off... With uh, some fireworks, Joe and Drew McIntyre got into it. Joe looked like he was going to put that coquina clutch on McIntyre. But because uh, submission moves in WWE are always the worst kind of finishing move to have, he ends up taking a Claymore kick and is out in the first minute. Well, hang on. Before the match even started, we got to talk about the fireworks that erupted because I think this is going to... I don't want to say justify, but play into and validate some of my predictions around Braun and Drew. We had a lot of fireworks happen before it started, just around who was going to start first between Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Oh, and that yeah, had implications that's... throughout the rest of the... We always have that, right? Yeah, but that's it, been going it on for a while. played into the rest of the match as well in multiple ways. Mm, yes, I, yeah, I think so. I think that's an ongoing dynamic. Uh, I, you know, the fact that that Drew ended up, I mean, that's one of the stories of this match that Drew looked like a monster. It's another uh, story of this match that Braun looked like a monster. Yep, they both looked like monsters in this match, and I think Joe went out to illustrate that Drew is as big of a monster as he is. And the problem is, is that Joe should be booked that way as well. He should be a monster. He can portray a monster. And the only thing I can think that would justify this, and, and I, I'm not the only one because the crowd erupted into chance of bullshit when Joe got, uh, got uh, kicked out of the match and teleported out of the ring. Here's, here's the thing. It wasn't just that he went out. I'd be fine if Joe went out first. As I always say, it's not that you lose. It's how you lose. And in this case, it wasn't that he got eliminated. It was that he got eliminated by one Claymore and then just quietly rolled out of the ring and he was gone. He wasn't, he wasn't angry and didn't take it out under. He didn't try to fight back. He didn't try to fight the refs. He didn't sell the Claymore like he'd been knocked out. He was just gone. And that was kind of, I didn't like that. Um, I doubt he did either. And that might explain well, why he just disappeared into the locker room. But that's on him. That's on him to, you've got to throw some of your own stuff in there at the end if, if you want to look you know, not look like a joke, but, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, it, it was frustrating, but I have heard that there's rumors. He may have had some sort of knee thing going on. So hopefully it was because of an injury that he just couldn't work the match, but, uh, you know, and, and, and it would make sense not have AJ in this because AJ's not going to look good in this kind of scenario at this point right. after what just happened. So, but yes, yeah, so Joe, Joe goes out first. And uh, and then the match kind of goes on from there. One of the stories of the match was that um, Finn Balor kind of went into business on his own on a team full of heels and or tweeners. Uh, he went into business on his own after Shane McMahon took out Braun Strowman with his patented elbow drop onto the announce table from the top turnbuckle. Uh, but Balor was eliminated second by Rey Mysterio after going to business for himself and kicking Drew McIntyre in the face, which I thought was a nice moment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you then had Shane McMahon groggily wake up from his uh, table spot and get encouraged by The Miz to do a coast-to-coast on Ziggler, which he did, and then pinned Ziggler one, two, three. Ziggler goes bye-bye. And then uh, Jeff Hardy is the first victim of a returning Braun Strowman who not only picks McMahon out of the air as McMahon tried to do another coast-to-coast uh, on uh, who was in the corner at that point? Who was he trying to get the, the, the next um, time? Was it because it was uh, it was Lashley, wasn't he? He was trying to I get think Lashley. It was Lashley, yeah. It didn't matter at that point because from then on, from that point on, you had Miz trying to encourage uh, Shane McMahon to to keep manning up, and Shane was just you know half dead. And I liked how he was selling his exha- exhaustion. That was funny. He's like, oh god, okay. <laughs> again, I, 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 Miz, come on, man. And then uh, just that huge bear paw he got from Braun Strowman <laughs> from outside the ring. Just yeah. So he sold that for a while while Strowman got into the ring, murdered Jeff Hardy, murdered Rey Mysterio, ended up chasing down, catching Miz, and murdering him, and then finally pulling in a nearly dead Shane McMahon who tried to man up on him and pinning him one, two, three. He was just like, all right. So Strowman, <laughs> Strowman takes out uh four, four out of five people on uh on smackdown and it's just a, a murder a murder at the second half of this match uh and then I, out of nowhere baron corbin clubs him in the back of the head with a forearm yeah. and rolls out of the ring yeah don't care i honestly like this this is this Friday. okay so obviously the the story of this was that Strowman couldn't do anything to baron corbin until this match was over right and baron corbin still gets a drop on him because Strowman is dumb the, the big strong monster. Well, we have, remember oh. they, they had to tell us they had to tell us that, that Strowman is a smart guy, which they did last week on Raw. Hey, you know, no, careful. Stro- Strowman's a smart guy. Really? Then why does he keep getting outsmarted by the heels? And and sure enough, you had Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin standing tall at the top of the ramp with Strowman fuming in the ring after this. Yep. And in our our discussion group, I actually called at this point. You know, one thing they could do. Strowman is owed a title rematch now from Stephanie. He could storm into the back and say, you know what? Screw it. I want my title match tonight. And he could get Brock Lesnar after Daniel Bryan weakens him up. But they didn't do that because that would have been actually interesting. Good booking that made Braun Strowman look smart. Nope. That was just the end of the match. Was it good for Braun to be allowed to run rampant like this? At the end of, the, of this match, and, and, and was it okay to have Shane be the last man standing two years in the row? Of, of all people, of all the wrestlers, Shane versus Braun at the end of this. Without, well, for the, for, I'll, I'll speak to the Shane bit first. I was effing stupid. I can't believe they did it two years in a row. I don't know what the hell they've got up their Shane butts. Why they've got <laughs> Shane up their butts. Best uh, in the world Nick, thing at Crown hold on, Jewel, hold on, hold and on. then Shane. Hold on. He's a McMahon. That's what they got up their butts. I understand that, okay. but they've proven that that business model doesn't work. They actually need superstars to wrestle. They haven't proven that at all. They're absolutely still driving this train into... Th- Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's the, it, yeah. One of these days, I'll be able to get a consistent thought out. Go on. Shane, it, it's almost like they're just poking us in the ribs constantly with Shane going, ha, 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 ha. And I, I don't, I don't react anymore. I just don't, I don't, I don't care. I can't believe they're still doing it, but I can to a certain extent because McMahon's, like you said, right. on the bronze side of this, it's it's hard not to have this conversation without getting a little bit meta and talking about the bigger picture of things. 
the the things that have led to these events and the things that I think are coming. Uh, the, the impending authority angle that I'm all but convinced of at this point between Corbin and potentially Stephanie and Braun Strowman because she's going to screw him out of everything she promised him. Yada, 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 Authority 101. It, it feels like it's, now Corbin has goons with McIntyre and Lashley. It feels like it's an inevitable. If we don't see something tonight develop on that on Raw, I will be surprised. So am I surprised that Braun dominated? No, because you kind of need that. And I, I think it, it suits him. It's very fitting uh, from that perspective. It does, but the problem is, is because of his recent flip-flopping, his big show-esque flip-flopping between heel and face, it really took the wind out of his sails. And because the crowd was so anti-Raw for this entire show, it also took the wind out of people's sails with this match, where people were like, well, I mean, cool, Braun's a badass, but... Uh. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, it lost me from that respect the minute Joe went out in 10 seconds. Yeah, I, I, it, I, I, I was done. They had a lot to bring me back. Finn having the rally definitely helped, but I knew they were going to have Finn go out at some point too, and sure enough, they did. Uh, but it was, yeah, this was, I thought, a, a somewhat underwhelming Survivor, men's Survivor Series match. It was fine, but it was not great. Uh, I picked Raw to win. You picked SmackDown. Raw won. Whoop-de-doo, honestly. This, I, at this point... I, I had cooled off quite a bit on the show. Luckily, the next match happened. Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte. I was not ready for this match. I was like like Oscar. I was not ready for this match. What about you? <laughs> uh, I thought I thought we would get about half of what we actually yes. got. Meaning. Oh my God! So the level of, they, so, they they took it they took it to a level I whoo, wasn't ready for it to go whoo, yet. Uh, I didn't whoo. know that Ronda could work yet. Oh man, a level that we have yet to see Charlotte work yet. And I mean, there's three or four pretty big notches that they just checked yeah. off that have, we've kind of been waiting for for the last year. Um, they came out another match. They came out of the gate really, really hot. They started this match off with some really nice. I, I thought it was almost just on the fly kind of chain wrestling and, and, and testing each other out, really getting snug with their moves, uh, playing to Ronda's strength, and, and it felt very organic. Like, hey, let's just go out there and try to fight each other. And then at a certain point, we'll let Charlotte take over and turn this into a wrestling match. Um, and then at the end of this, we'll, we'll take it into another gear. We'll actually put it into a sixth gear, which is what they did. So... This match started off really nice. As I said, it was very snug. Ronda got bloodied fairly early from an errant elbow from Charlotte while they were in a submission. Yeah, it was like the inside of her cheek or something, and she was bleeding from the mouth, I believe. A lower lip. Yeah, she caught a little elbow. But that's because this match was so snug. Charlotte really upped her game here, I think, in a major way. And a lot of people have started to turn on Charlotte because of the Ric Flair thing. They were calling her like the female Roman Reigns. I hope a lot of people came away from this match not thinking that, and not just because of the ending of the match, but because the match itself, to me, not only proved that Ronda is a prodigy uh, as far as wrestling is concerned, pro wrestling is concerned. Her selling is fantastic. Uh, her facials, her everything. It, it was very few moments in this I felt it was sloppy. I'm going to give her credit it's, for putting in the work. I'm not going to yeah. say like she's some magical savant or prodigy of wrestling that we the, the the chosen one that we've been waiting for. Uh, but I, I will say I've been you guys know I've been down on her for most of the year, and I think it was around SummerSlam that I went okay. 
She's she's coming what? around and, and her promos so have gotten wait, better wait, wait, wait. and this wait, was wait, the wait, wait, best wait. match that I've seen her work. Well, she is she is head and shoulders above most of the women's division who have been doing this for years longer than she has. Sure, but she brings a physical ability and a lifetime of you know martial arts and you know uh, amateur wrestling training. Sure, to, but to, still doesn't mean that you're going to naturally. There's been a lot of people from MMA and fighting worlds who try to get into wrestling and haven't gotten it. Like you know what I mean? Like they don't get it. Yeah, the way that she has gotten it, and she really has. Um, maybe it's her fandom from being, I don't know. Bottom line is this was a, this was to me, the match of the show. And it only got more so when at the end of the match, Charlotte realized she couldn't beat Rhonda clean. So she grabbed a kendo stick and began to whoop the ungodly hell out of Rhonda Rousey, causing the DQ. Uh, and so Rhonda does win the match technically. But she didn't look like she won the match by the time this was all over because she was beaten black, blue, and red by Charlotte Flair, who, by the way, credit again where credit is due, she genuinely looked like she snapped. I haven't seen a heel turn like this in a while. And by the way, props to you, sir, for calling the double turn, the Becky Charlotte double turn, although we've yet to determine if it is truly a double turn well, or what well, I think the dynamic we'll see will Tuesday. be. I think we're going to yeah. see Tuesday come out. Uh, Becky's going to come out cleared to monstrous eruption of cheers. And I don't know what's going to happen in the dynamic between her and Becky at this point. Is Becky the face going to be pissed uh, that Charlotte couldn't control her temper and cost SmackDown the match? Uh, All of that stuff, right? Uh, That's where I think this is going to go. Yeah, will will this be Becky going, uh, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed by you. I gave you a chance and you just, you ended up, doing this this is what you did with the chance i gave you or is she gonna be like nice that's what i would have done too uh you know i don't know and i'm looking forward to seeing where that goes uh the other question is does this now mean because we were saying oh cool becky and ronda at wrestlemania now and that was the the scuttlebutt backstage or did this just become charlotte ronda at wrestlemania and it's going to be even more intense Mm -mm. i think we're going to get charlotte becky at wrestlemania and I think it's going to lead. Really? Yes, I think it's going to lead. Yes, I think it's going to lead to these two having their own feud on SmackDown Live. And I don't think you're going to have the cross brand at WrestleMania. I, I still I, don't. Th- I don't still don't see a path where one of them comes over, b- before WrestleMania. You, well, you got we got three and a half, four months to get there, dude. Sure. We have plenty of time to make sure. that happen. For one thing, for another thing, Ronda Rousey will be in the main women's match at WrestleMania along with one, if not two, of those other women. There'll be two of them. I, and I think, you know, if all things stay the same as they are, Nia Jax. No, I think it'll be Nia Jax, Becky. Becky finally gets her revenge on Nia Jax at WrestleMania for a huge pop. And then uh, you'll get Charlotte and Ronda in like a, a you know, false count anywhere, no holds barred match. I don't know. Based on this. I don't based know. On this, we'll see. The other weird thing here was that the crowd turned on Ronda. They, all of a sudden, Charlotte, who was getting booed when she came out, they were saying, thank you, Charlotte. As, as Ronda walked up the ramp, she was getting you deserve it chance. You could tell that it was getting to her. Like she had a weird look on her face. She's never been booed like this from the WWE. So far, she's always coming out like, oh, you guys, <laughs> you, you like me. You really like me. And all of a sudden now, this crowd turned on her when she took the ass whooping of a lifetime. This was, I mean, she got beat up in this. Even in her MMA matches, she took one or two shots and went down. 
She took a whooping. She had welts all over her body. Her face was bloodied. She looked like a mess. Chair shots. Out of this. I think there were two kendo sticks that got broken over her. She had welts oh. all over her from the kendo sticks. She oh. got the chair stomp with it around her neck. Which yeah. Oh my! She got beat to shit. And something Natural was up with selection. her makeup or something. Where she looked like this <laughs> white ghost zombie thing. And then the blood starts coming out, and it, she looks like Halloween two weeks ago. Wow. This yeah. match totally stole the show for so many different reasons. It's the it's the only match on Survivor Series I can put in the same league as some of the matches on Takeover, which we'll get to. I know we're running late here, but we we'll get to Takeover. But this yeah, this match was exciting as hell. It's the most violent women's match I can think of in the WWE. If anyone can think of a more violent women's match since the hardcore era, Please let me know because I can't. You have of to one. go back to the Hollies. Uh, That's what I'm Molly saying. Holly, hardcore Holly. Yeah, <laughs> but even then, I've never. I mean, I I can't remember the last time I saw a woman get busted open in a match. I mean, not like this. I mean, obviously, like a, you know, a lip or a nose here or there. Yeah, uh, and Becky Lynch recently doesn't count, but I'm talking about like a hardcore match like this where the, it was so violent at the end of this match, and it was uh, from top to bottom before they even got into the over the top violence at the end. This was. It felt urgent. It felt uh, really, really intense. Both these women absolutely brought it. Charlotte proved why she's Charlotte. Ronda proved what, that she was legit ready to be there, and she paid some serious damn dues at the end of this match. I was frustrated with the audience for being weird and fickle at the end. Um, but, you know, it's L.A. We're weird. Cheering who you should boo and booing who you should cheer. It's bizarro <laughs> land. Uh, but yeah, we both picked Rousey to win, and technically she won. But she did. not you wouldn't you wouldn't know that from the way she looked at the end of the match. No. <laughs> and we had one more match on this show, and that was Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan with zero build, no build for this match, and we didn't know what to expect out of Daniel Bryan. Well, after- those of us that have been watching wrestling for twenty plus years, we were we Come didn't on. need a build. We were ready for this match. I no, I no. I wanted to build. I wanted to know okay. what kind of Daniel Bryan we were going to get. I wanted to know what what's his story coming into this. Why does what is this beyond Daniel Bryan being a really like he this this was the classic underdog match waiting to happen for years after WrestleMania. Thirty people were saying, "Dude, Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar. Oh my god." Well, what's the dynamic going to be when Daniel Bryan's a heel? This was heel versus heel. And you can obviously still work on the natural Daniel Bryan underdog charisma, which they did. But it's still the crowd then is still going to want to be like, uh, can we really cheer him? He came out, doesn't even want to do the yes chant anymore. Eh. It was a weird dynamic. They didn't set up how we should feel about this match. Yeah. And as a result, the first half of it, where Brock did Brock things. Daniel Bryan had a weird look in his face where like he knew something that none of us did, and he was kind of teasing Brock and running away from him before finally getting caught and then murdered for seven minutes. In yeah, a I'm classic. sorry. The minute it turned into Suplex City and uh, Brock started doing release Germans to hurt neck Daniel Bryan, I got uh, yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I really it did. On, it went on for a long time, and... Uh, from a match timing standpoint, it was the right decision to have it go on that long because yeah. when Daniel Bryan did mount a comeback, it was exciting because of the tension build. Yep. But at the same time, we also didn't know how to feel about it. It's like, all right, we're going to Suplex City, but I mean, I can't really cheer for Daniel anyway, so whatever. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it should be. But that being said, even though, and, and this is another thing, this was a copy and paste booking 
from last year with AJ. AJ gets beat up for a while and then mounts a comeback and somehow puts Brock back in his heels. Paul had the same reactions. Brock had the same reactions. Like it was copy and paste. Copy and paste. And so I, there's no way that we should have become emotionally invested in this. But by God damn it, Daniel, Brian, he got me invested by the end. Yep. He did. He I did. He, he, he got me going, oh, my God, he might actually do it. Yeah, when he, had, when he had him in the yes lock, I was like, okay, is Brock Lesnar? One, kudos, I want to give kudos. We all shat all over Brock. We spent the year shitting all over Brock Lesnar. I want to I give kudos to Brock Lesnar for, like, legit working a real match. Yeah. Yeah, I was. That was so much fun to watch you actually do your thing, and I wish you would just do it more often. Fine, but there were moments when I was like, "Oh my God, is Brock Lesnar going to tap out to the yes lock?" Yeah, he, no, had, they, he they, locked it in twice. They got uh, against all odds after all that we've seen from every Brock Lesnar match over the last two years. They somehow got at least me and you. They got us to go. He might actually lose here. Daniel Bryan might beat him. And then, of and course, tap uh, out the MMA legend himself. Yeah, you know? I, I didn't think what? he was going to tap him out. I thought he was going to, uh, you know, give him a couple running knees and, and pin him. But, um, but no, F five one two three Brock, you know, scurries away. Fine. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Is here's the thing: is Brock back to hurting the product? Because we're back to Brock Lesnar land now, right? Where where even the people that get their their stuff in like Daniel Bryan did here, like AJ did last year, like Samoa Joe arguably did. People that come out looking good from a Brock Lesnar match, like, they, oh, they almost got him. Is it hurting the product after all they've done with that Brock Lesnar character to build him up for Roman and then have Roman win? Is he hurting the product at this point by being the guy, by being the same person he's been for the last two years? The, all the, of like, those guys have beaten Roman Reigns, have they not? So if we're doing a stack... If we're doing a stack oh, count. Oh, no. It's, I mean, you know? it's, but it's, yeah, but they, they build up the win over Brock as such a bigger deal. Like, he, and there's sure. no trans, the transitory element is, is aside. You know what I mean? I mean, God, Daniel Bryan beat Randy Orton and Triple H and Batista in one night. If you really want to, I mean, you know, yeah. if you really want to get this, get this over with. But, the, but that's the thing is, is, is Brock now the final boss of WWE to the detriment of the product? Is this hurting them to have him be someone? I mean, are they? And the other thing I want to ask to you: Do you think that he's being built up for Braun Strowman or Drew? Are they basically going to do the same playbook again with some whoever? Let me else do the first one. Let me do the first one first. So your okay. your first question is: Is he being built back up uh, to to the detriment of the product? Yes. Yes and no. Because if you listen, that dude still got a massive pop at Staples Center, even to one of the smarkiest crowds out there. That the crowd still cheered for Bro- for Bork Laser when he comes out to his music. Brock Lesnar. So he, 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 it's the argument you've made all the, all these times. It's he he is a draw. He gets the cheers. They pay him a big amount of money. You know, point point taken. On the other hand of it, we look at matches like some of these. Uh, I don't know. What do we want to say? Daniel Bryan and. Uh, Samoa Joe or AJ Styles and Finn Balor or Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. <sighs> These dream matches that could be so big, but somehow they feel like uh, they're they're less than any any Brock Lesnar match. 
whether it's position on the card or whether it's how they're built, however that ends up being that way, that's where I do think that, yes, it's a little bit of a detriment to the product, even though Brock is getting those cheers from the from the filthy casuals that go to paper. <laughs> so that's the first part of that one. You'll have to remind me with the second question. I just I wanted I to get all that both. out because it's a yes and no kind oh, of question. The, okay, so the second part was, are they now built, are, are they basically going to copy and paste the first half of this year? Oh, for yeah. some For someone like Drew McIntyre or Braun Strowman, are they going to build Brock back up, no one can beat him, and then, oh, but Drew McIntyre can beat him. Yay, Drew, you're our savior. I think that's going to depend on what happens with Dana White in January. From what I understand, there's supposed to be some kind of contract signed, Brock. Going back to fight Cormier or, or ascend the ladder at UFC again, we don't know. I don't know that we'll ever know all of the details until something is signed and all the details. Heyman releases all the details, whatever. Uh, what I want to happen in, in my beloved wrestling, we got a little bit of a hint of at Survivor Series, and it's something that I've been looking forward to is Drew versus Braun. I think we've fast-forwarded Braun six months uh, because of Roman and the leukemia situation to now f- completely, after we flipped him heel, we're going to flip him back face, and we're doing everything we can to build him back up as this big monster face because he's still getting all the big cheers and the roars and to the get these hands. And having Drew be in that big, bad meanie, and now you throw Corbin into the mix, and now you potentially throw an authority angle into the mix. I, I'm more interested in seeing Braun authority rather than seeing Braun Brock again. See, I think they're ruining... I think Braun is is on the downswing right now. I think that, I think that he has been damaged, and they've got to build him back up um, because of the flip-flopping. And people are starting. People are starting to get over, get sick of it. And they're also building Drew up so organically. And they got to be careful with him too, and not make him look like too much of a monster too quickly and push him too hard. But people are going to start really getting hot for Drew, and they have to be careful that they don't kill. I'm raising my hand. Well, we've been saying Drew should be the next man for a while now. Oh, we got, he's we got, the chosen one. Literally. We got we got asked that I think a few months ago, beginning of the summer. Someone asked us in a listener question, "Who's the next man if not Roman Reigns?" And we said Drew. Yeah. Um, but they had probably be, Braun first for a little bit, but the man is going to be Drew McIntyre. I think they missed their shot with Braun. To be honest with you, I think that I think that they missed their shot and left, and and they could potentially pull the they could right the ship at this point. It's it's not too late, but I yeah. think that they really did miss a hot angle with Braun. Kind of like I think they missed their shot with Seth Rollins. You know what I mean? Like they've had a couple of chances to make Seth Rollins the man and he was hotter this summer than Roman Reigns was and they should have pulled the, they have, should have had Seth be the one to beat Brock and he god he would be nuclear he'd be he'd be the hottest thing there is but no they didn't do it they wanted they wanted Roman and and now Braun Seth uh have both been hurt by that so yeah. well raw is kind of a a, a a nation of monsters right now and i don't really know if is. Seth being that guy would being the man would would fit the archetype of the top of the card right now. This is a terrible place to put this, but I'm going to put it here anyway because you said Raw is a land of monsters. But we did get an announcement on the pre-show that coming soon, Lars Sullivan, our boy from NXT, five-star Lars, is coming up to to the main roster. He got the call-up. But where's he going to go? As you said, it's already the land of monsters on Raw. They don't need another monster, do they? Like, where is he going to fit in with these guys? He's not as big as Strowman or McIntyre. He's big. He's scary. He's, weird. he's you know, he's, as, as Morrow loves to say, a Jack Kirby illustration come to life. 
Yes, but he, uh, and and I you know I'll I'll throw my my old Bruno San Martino reincarnated uh, in there. I think he's just that big dude and just plain old tights that's just coming out to hurt people. He's Bruno San and, Martino if he was crossbred with a caveman. Sure, sure, you know, uh, and bred in the Rocky Mountains, you know. Oh, <laughs> just it, Lars is. I think you made the comment last night. Oh, Vince finally saw Lars. Yeah. Vince finally watched NXT. Wait a minute. Who is that? Why don't I have yeah, who, on my who's brand? Who's that thing? Damn what it. is that thing? Yeah. What? <laughs> what the hell is that thing? Get out. I want it on my TV show. Get over here, pal. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, to answer your question directly, I, I don't know that he would be a good fit on SmackDown Live. No, they, they got too many heels over there. Sure, sure. But he would kind of be a sneaky fit. Uh, entrant into the Royal Rumble, um, and it'll be interesting to see where they place him after that. That's my guess as to where they're going to debut him. Usually, they don't announce guys that debut at the I, Royal Rumble, but I've, I guess I've I never could. seen that other than like Sanity recently. I think you. I, I think, don't remember any other. I ones. recall you saying Lars Sullivan was going to come out last year at Royal Rumble. I did. That, that was, was a year. Yeah. Early. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Maybe he'll come out on two hundred five live. That'd be funny. Uh, that so, would. It just comes out and destroys everything. Yeah. And I would. I would love that. I just made weight. <laughs> I had two hundred five live in my right quad. I just had to drink lots of water. Uh, so okay. So final shots on final thoughts on Survivor Series. We're running way late today. Final uh, thoughts. Overall quality of the show. What did you think, top to bottom? How did this rank I mean, as Survivor Series go? I mean, it was one of the be- it was one of my favorite shows of the year. As I've always said, Survivor Series is always one of my favorite pay per views for me. Right up there with the like WrestleMania and Money in the Bank ladder matches and TLC, which we've got coming up in December here in a couple of w- few weeks three w- three weeks now, I guess. Yep. So those are Survivor Series is always one of my favorite ones because I enjoy the dynamic of the cross brand. I enjoy seeing champion versus champion. We oftentimes end up with dream matches we never expected, a la Seth and Chinsuke, even though we got about 10% of what those two guys are actually capable of delivering. So, I mean, if we're doing it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a good, a good solid 7, 7.5. Um, there were a few obvious. So like a C, 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 C plus? No, like a B minus. Oh, okay. You know? Right. So like an eight. Yeah. I'll give it a, I'll give it a seventy, you know. <laughs> That's a C minus. <laughs> Where'd you oh you went to school in California? That's yeah. why. Oh, what they have different standards out in, in over there in Carolina? No, yeah. No. <laughs> Don't worry, kiddo. How, how do you think we all get out of I high school? I was just gonna say thank you. Oh, okay. Waka waka waka. A D. No. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, a Cal- a California D is a Carolina A. Uh no, so <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I actually, but bronze intelligent, right? I would say that, uh, right? I would say that uh, I, I'd, I'd say about a seven out of ten too. I thought there were some really good highlights. Obviously, you know, the the Charlotte Ronda match was was bonkers. I thought it was it was strong. It was nothing that was just egregiously bad, except for the Drake Maverick thing. But that's also from the guy who gave us the great Kali versus Horn Swoggle at 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 Survivor Series a few years ago because ha ha, he's really big and he's really small. Ha ha ha. I don't know why he turned into Ed McMahon all of a sudden. It's Vince McMahon. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but no, it, I thought it was overall, it was a respectable show. Um, 
in and we'll talk about this when we talk about takeover but just in the shadow of takeover it just didn't seem as good because takeover was so quality but as far echo, as echo echo as, yeah echo. as as far as like the main <laughs> roster shows from this year goes it was one of the better ones it genuinely was yeah. it was it was True. a lot of right decisions a lot of good booking decisions um and then a couple of really fantastic matches here's the big one raw swept and we called we called almost everything right nick um, it was seven, six. I got the, the raw team going over for the men's survivor series, but we agreed on everything else. Um, do you think it was the right decision to have raw quote unquote sweep, even though SmackDown did win the tag team in the pre-show, they said that didn't count. Was it the right decision to have raw sweep six Oh on the main show? Can I, can I say, ask me again on Thursday on the normal show after we see what happens this week on TV? Because I think if they don't make something out of it on TV tonight, it's, it, it'll kind of mean absolutely nothing. I'll do you one better. So I want them to, I want them to make a big deal out of it. Like, you know, Baron Corbin becomes the full time real general manager for pulling off the sweep. Uh, you know, maybe Paige gets fired or has to take a leave of absence or something. It was for Shane's fault. P- performing. <laughs> what did she or do? Shane t- owns What did it. she do? Shane was the one who bungled it for everybody. <laughs> I, I want to see consequences, sure. positive and negative, on both of the shows in the next two nights because of the sweep. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. It means but outside nothing. of kayfabe, don't you think that this once again establishes SmackDown as the like solidly the B brand, or do you think that's the thing sure. that's just that is just in kayfabe? So here's the thing: I'll do you one better. I can wait until this time next year for the payoff to this, and here's the reason why: is that this time next year, SmackDown will be nominally the A show because it will be on prime time Friday nights on Fox. It's what they got paid the most for in that TV deal. So, looking forward, I could see them, and I, I usually hate speculation like this, but this is one where I think it actually makes a lot of logical sense, is this year, SmackDown gets absolutely brutalized and dominated, and then next year is a way to drive home that SmackDown is now the A show. They come back from this, and they have a sort of a underdog babyface win where they trounce Raw next year. So if they're building towards that, and I, I'm going to have to wait a year to find out, if that's the story, like the long-term storyline they're telling here, but if that's what they're going for, that could work. I think that that would be a good payoff next year to really, you know, call back to this and say, "Yeah, Raw swept last year, but SmackDown's a different SmackDown." Now. I don't think they get much more than a couple of weeks ahead. If I'm being honest with you, <laughs> this isn't New Japan. Your New Japan, sir says says the man says the man who just watched Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar be built for a year and a half, arguably multiple years. And then what did we get out of it? Uh, well, I didn't say that it was a good plan. I just said Put it was a plan. The leukemia thing aside, and, and all, all best thoughts and wishes with Roman Reigns, what did we get out of it? Well, that's the thing. is They had to, they had to scupper that plan because we could all see it coming. And they had, to, they had to change everything up and make it go to SummerSlam. That's, look, that's a whole other thing. We're way behind. The one last thing, I hate the shirts. I hate everyone wearing the damn T-shirts. Me too. They just the get in the way. T-shirts. And it's it, just they, people they just complained about not being able to see Finn's abs or Charlotte trying to beat up Ronda and having to fight off some stringy T-shirt. <laughs> like, get that damn T-shirt out of the way and let her beat up Ronda. Them not having a T-shirt big enough for Big Show. Right. 
It would have been funny if they had like awful. cut it down the middle. And Seth still made his half Rollins, his half, half Raw and shirt. Then what the hell was Nakamura wearing? He was wearing like a tracksuit with shoulder pads. It was all. It looked terrible. Somebody said he looked like anyway. uh, Prince or something like that. I can't remember what it was. It, uh, it looked like Dave Chappelle acting as Prince. Right. Yeah. You know, who, I don't remember who said that. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, guys. I, I can't pull that up real quick. But uh, someone said that. Props to them. That was absolutely right. Game blouses. And then he made uh, him so- pancakes. And then, he, and then he went and made him pancakes. Uh, so that was Survivor Series. Yay. Um, only took us an hour and 20 minutes to get through that, Nick. Good Lord, we got a, still a whole show to talk about. So let's head over and talk about TakeOver Los Angeles. Hey, surprise! That match we weren't going to get between Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono. Well, Matt Riddle opened up TakeOver War Games. It's Matt Riddle, bro, bro, bro. I didn't see this. So I started uh, probably an hour late on Saturday night because we were out running errands and getting ready for Thanksgiving stuff this coming week. So I was a little bit late. So I was trying to find that sweet spot between where the kickoff show ended and where the thing ended. And I was zooming through and I'm like, wait. And I saw Matt Riddle and I thought it was like just a recap of like his debut or something like that. So (laughs) I finally found the sweet spot in the time code and I hit play and all you hear is, Bro, which is his entrance <laughs> kicking. I, like, I didn't know we were going to get this. Okay, well, we know, I'm in. This was a, so this was a nice surprise. They built this a little bit on the pre-show where Matt Riddle was, was talking at the panel and Cassius Ono came over and started talking smack to him. So at the top of TakeOver, Matt Riddle comes out of the ring and goes, Bro, I wasn't supposed to have my match until Wednesday, but Cassius wanted to run his mouth. So come on, Cassius, let's go. Let's go, bro. And sure enough, Cassius comes out. Uh, dressed in a Sacramento Kings jersey. Cheap heat. Cheap heat with an L.A. crowd, my friend. Uh, and comes to the ring and says, all right, bro, let's have a freaking match. I'll knock your ass out in two seconds flat. And then it gets knocked out in two seconds flat by Matt Riddle, who does a, a really nasty jumping knee at him, knocks him out. Cassius Ono sells it like a champ. Matt Riddle, one, two, three. Squash victory over Cassius Ono. Um is now here's the two things. One, well, let, well, let's call this what it is. Yes, let, let, this is L.A. home crowd, crowd pleaser, fire up the the Staples Center. Sure, L.A. PWG's own Matt Riddle. Well, and, partially, you know, he's all over the place. But yeah, indie, indie darling. It was yeah. a very indie heavy crowd. A lot of people there who <laughs> go to all the indie shows in your yeah. life for sure. But that being said, this was definitely a goose the crowd match. A uh, way to get people just instantly fired up with like a really big, strong victory. And they, it worked. It worked. Matt Riddle is dynamite once he stops the the whole Spicoli thing and really gets into killer mode. Um, to everyone in our in our discussion group who has put out there that they don't get the Matt Riddle character yet, I, I still, I maintain, just wait. It's like when Kurt Angle debuted, he had the whole kind of goofy gimmick where he's like, the three eyes and I'm all American. But then once he gets in the ring and starts working, it's like, oh God, that guy's scary. Yeah. That's Matt Riddle. He does the whole like bro thing. And then all of a sudden he gets in the ring and you're like, oh my God. Oh God. Then that black belt in jujitsu comes out. Yeah. <laughs> this, he, I legitimately, like if you gave me the three people I want to see face Brock Lesnar, even as killer final boss Brock, Matt Riddle is one of them because Matt Riddle could have a match with Brock Lesnar. It'd be an, it'd be an MMA fight. Yeah, I, I know, and it would look fantastic. I mean, so now you here's want the to other talk thing. about strikers. Jesus, Woo! Jesus. Uh, but he can also work a match. Anyway, that's, that's, that's why they did this. I think They're, the the rocket is getting strapped to this boy. Yeah. Um. 
it, now here's the thing with Cassius Ono. I think this will there'll be more to this. Cassius will get a rematch and we'll actually have a match, which I can't wait to actually see because both these guys can work. Is Ono as the gatekeeper? Is it becoming a little cliche, kind of a joke? Or I don't was, know if I'd use the word joke, maybe a trope. I'd, I'd use the word running. Tro- it's a running trope of NXT okay. to have people pass through Ono as a way as their way of you know being that gatekeeper sort of thing. Much like sure. Ziggler has become that over the last couple of years for call ups. So I, yeah, to their to the call ups detriment, maybe well, yeah. I just, don't want, see, I just don't want. I just I want him to put a pair of pants on. That's really <laughs> as as much as I want to see that match between Ono. I just don't want to see his thighs anymore. Right. <laughs> well, one match I did want to see was Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. Best oh, yes. two out of best two out of three falls, and unsurprisingly, fairly quickly in this match, Kyrie came out the gate hot. But she got stymied fairly quickly by Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, who came out and interfered in the match, costing her the first fall. Not too surprising there. She had a very, very gnarly comeback for the second fall. Um, she did like an insane elbow to the outside. She gave Shayna a DDT on the ring apron that was one of the gnarlier looking moves from the entire weekend. You know, can you think of a like that was one of the gnarliest moves in the match? Was that apron DDT? Oh, uh, that one, uh, the elbow to all, the Hojo elbow to all three of them outside. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. And then, um, well, I don't want to say the other one because you haven't, we haven't run it down yet. Well, that's the thing. But it's so, coming in so a minute. Kyrie saying gets a comeback, gets the second fall, and then on the third fall, the girls get involved again and start messing with her. And who should come out? to Kyrie's aid and we, we suspected this might be the case we suspected she might get some help we called one of the people that came out to help her we didn't call the other one Dakota Kai didn't see that people. one coming but here's the thing NXT it made sense remember yep. when she had those issues with Shayna Baszler Shayna used to scare the crap out of her and now she's standing up for herself she has overcome this the bully and now she's coming out to stand up for people that are being bullied by Shayna and her goons it made logical sense but Dakota ends up getting beaten down because she is outnumbered and who should come out by the one that we did call Io Shirai. Io Shirai. And who did one out? of the most beautiful yep. moonsaults to the outside that Ooh. I think I've ever seen in my entire life. They don't call her the genius of the sky for nothing. Good Lord. That would have been the most beautiful moonsault of the night if Ricochet didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Here's the thing. We both called that there was probably going to be interference from people to help Kyrie, and there was. What was funny was that that interference didn't change the outcome. Uh, Kyrie still got wrapped up inside and ended up losing to Shayna Baszler. But now we've got two stables. We've got Shayna Baszler and her, her three of the four horsewomen stable, and we've got now Kyrie with Io Shirai and Dakota Kai as a stable. Yeah. What do you think about that, the, the establishment of that stable, like how, the makeup? We thought it might have been Hiroyo Matsumoto as the no, third Dakota I, Kai. No, I think Dakota Kai is better. Um, I agree. Maybe a Mia Yim, but not. But she's kind of on a Healy side right now, so I don't know if that would have worked out. Yeah, but, a little tweener-ish, but yeah. yeah I, I, like, I, I like Dakota Kai in there, frankly. Same. I, I never would have guessed it, but it makes perfect sense not when you think about it. I exactly. I th- I think if I had thought really hard about because I was I was actually worried that it was going to be Hiroyo Matsumoto and I was going to be like oh white girls versus Asian girls that's a little awkward. 
But having Dakota Kai in there, now it becomes good girls versus bad girls. Yeah. Just straight up. Like the, the really, really sweet, innocent, nice girls versus the bad girls. I do prefer EO as a heel, but fine, whatever. Let's let it play out. She's so totally happy down. she can't stop smiling while she's destroying people, so she works well, better as a face. How cool is it that that she and, and, and Sane get to work together now? And she, oh, and, as much as I wanted to see them fight each other, and I still have hopes that one day we will, I... Oh, the, we have, we're going to have to change some shit, but I, I'm okay with them working side by side at this point. Agreed, agreed. And this was the only one that we disagreed with uh, we disagreed on no there's two that we disagreed with on here but yeah. I took this one the first two um, uh, I said that uh, Shayna Baszler was going to retain here and she did she did retain but you did call that everyone was going to come out and help Kyrie, and that was your yeah, logic I'm, I'm going to take Kyrie a point win. five here they just didn't come out soon enough they should have come out uh, after the first interference with Jessamyn Duke and uh, Shafir and that way they would have had that action going on outside it wasn't until after like the third almost the third fall that uh, that the other two girls came out, and I felt mm, that's a little weird. It felt off. Like why yeah. even have the dynamic if you're not gonna have it, you know, interfere with Matter. the match in some way? Yeah, I thought it should happen in the second fall too, so that everyone could have been yeah. taken out and just had it be Shayna and 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 Kyra right. at the end. But whatever. There's it, bodies everywhere, and then they they have their own moment in the ring. But that being said, they did actually have a really good match as well. So it, yeah. you know, can't I can't argue with that. I love their dynamic. I love how Kyrie looks like the adorable little thing and then turns into a psychopath once the bell rings. I love how she does that. Do you think we're going to spin off some side matches from these these two factions? Are we going to see like an Io Shirai and a Marina Shafir? Hell yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Bring it on. Bring it on. Please. Uh, speaking of psychopaths, we had Johnny Gargano versus Aleister Black. The, uh, the, the what would you call it? The comeuppance match for Johnny beating up Alistair and knocking him out. Sure. Uh, to hitting him from behind in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. Alistair uh, has some payback. Yeah. He needed, he, he needed to dish out. Yes, exactly. That was, that was really the story of this whole match. Um, well, that and also their outfits, because Johnny came out wearing a very Punisher-inspired outfit, uh, which is interesting. I thought it was a nice way to show that he thinks of himself as the anti-hero. Not that, since I've bought my Get These Hands shirt earlier this year have I wanted to buy a t-shirt on... Uh, WWE shop <laughs> until I saw Johnny Gargano walk out in a Punisher Johnny Wrestling t-shirt that one will be purchased <laughs> because if you don't know my favorite Marvel uh, character is the Punisher okay, okay I did not know that okay that makes a little bit more sense I was gonna say but uh, one thing I will not be purchasing is Alistair Black's uh, dragon skin vest thing that he wore out that was awesome come on I, dude are you was, serious he like he was like the the 12th member of guar like what even was it oh and by the way if you don't know who guar is then get on your google machines and find out you damn kids get off my lawn yeah <laughs> love guar anyway yeah so alistair was wearing a what what, what did what did uh nigel call him the the horns of Oh Jesus! They all oh, like, hell, like hell, horns of hell or something like no, that. No, it was of, of recompense or something. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It was looked goofy. Uh, but it looked this, amazing. You're crazy. <laughs> but goofy. this this match was not goofy. This match was bananas. This was a snug, hard hitting, lots of strikes, fast paced, well told story, good character work. This was. I thought my this was my match of the weekend for me. Wow. This was okay. this was my favorite match of the weekend. That being said, even saying that, um I saw Dave Melter tweet out that, 
you know, if you light this kind of match, this happens all the time in like all Japan and Noah and stuff like that. He's right. He is absolutely. And people gave him crap for it, uh, saying that he was talking crap about this match. He's not really. He's this not. Was a, he's, he's just this, being real. This was a really good match. The style of this match happens all the time over there in those brands. If you liked this style, I've got some wonderful New Japan matches I could show you uh, where people beat the crap out of each other like this, and it's exciting. This, this was next level because of the character work. Just go watch any of the 10 Ishii versus Suzuki matches this year. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Absolutely. And, for, and be amazed. <laughs> be, you'll see a lot of this. Uh, maybe not as many suicide dives. God, that was there was a couple of moments in this match that were genuinely... I like eye raising, like the yeah. eyebrow raising. Uh, Johnny, Johnny uh, going through the ropes on a suicide dive, and Alistair kneeing him in the face. I, I was on my feet. There I, was the uh, through the ropes uh, DDT or springboard DDT that he does yep. that Johnny did on him, and then there was the legit. Like there are ranas, there are hurricane ranas, and then there is a legit Frankensteiner. Johnny Gargano legit Frankensteinered the F out of Alistair Black, and yeah. I cringed because I was like, "Oh God, his neck broke." Yeah. Oh no, they, they did, the selling was fantastic in this. This was two guys working at the top of their game. So, yeah. and it was great storytelling. This, uh, this was Alistair's best match that I've seen him work. Period. Hard stop. I, you know what? You might have a point there. It was certainly from top to bottom. The one with Velveteen Dream was excellent as well. Sure. Uh, this, I think had a couple of moves that were a step beyond. This and was a much better story, uh, much better build, all yeah. of that stuff. Him hitting his, his cross-legged pose and daring Johnny Gargano to kick him in the face, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And then at the end, black massing Johnny, absolving him of his sins, black massing him again and murdering him. And, and one, two, three. Fantastic match. You called this. I said it was a coin flip. I said I could see it going either way. And I picked Johnny to win just as a way to, to be op- opposite of you. Yeah. Um, I could have seen my, other guy my win choice here. here was based on Al, what do you do with Alistair if he doesn't win here? Yeah, and I think yeah. I think you made a really good point with that. Yeah, was, Johnny Johnny can eat the can eat the loss, and he just goes deeper into darkness and mm-hmm. after uh, Champa. Yep, so I agreed. Yeah, that was it. And speaking of Champa, we had the Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Champa for the NXT Heavyweight Championship. Uh, what did you think on the structure and execution of this match? Because I thought that that was somewhat divided. It was a, first of all, I thought it was a great match, but. I thought that it, the structure execution is what I wanted to, to discuss here. There's also, to Melter's point, there's also something you see a lot of in New Japan that you don't see a lot of in WWE, and that's false finishes. And there's a lot of that that went on in some of these matches, especially on the TakeOver card uh, this past weekend, especially in this match between Ciampa and Velveteen Dream. I, I, I thought that, if you're going to have finishing moves, they need to be finishing moves. You shouldn't have to hit them three and four times in order for them to put someone down. Or hit them in, a, in such a way that you couldn't do it in a normal, in a normal match, right? Sure. Using an object, sure. using, using a special part of the ring, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree. This, was, this felt to me like a WrestleMania match. You know what I mean? Where like, they get to kick out of more finishers at like WrestleMania. Um, yeah. What is it? Your S meter is higher at WrestleMania than any, any other time of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's what this felt like. It was a, a few too many. And, and again, this is a total nitpick because this match was really, really exciting as well. Uh, but at a certain point, it did get a little ridiculous. And it also started off a little sloppy. I thought they they botched a move or two, and they recovered really well. Some really good recoveries and some improv that I thought was really good. 
but some stuff that I was, I, I feel like it went off the rails a couple of times, and it's only because both of these guys are just so good that they were able to bring it back onto the rails and make a really good match out of it. Um, a fantastic match out of it. Velveteen Dream coming out looking like NWO Hollywood Hulk Hogan because he was in LA. Uh, I don't. What is it with Dream and his obsession with with Hulk Hogan? Like Hulk Hogan praised him once, and he's been because of Dream's ethnicity. I do not even want to speculate uh- <laughs> on what his intentions are oh. there. And I'm wondering. My only oh. one that I'll throw out there is as if it's a poke in the eye. Uh, as a way to imitate him, even though he is African American. So wow. I, you don't think it's because he's trying to date Hulk Hogan's daughter? <laughs> Velveteen Dream from the purifying waters of Lake Minnetonka. Mm, I love it. He is he is definitely a guy that's going to go. We say that, we say this every time. We say this every time. Dreams. He is just phenomenal. Twenty three years old. Good guys. God, his career. Barring some freakish injury, knock all of the wood, he is going to be... He's the future of the WWE. Look at him, uh, Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, all in their early 20s. Good. They're, they're just going to carry... God. They're just strap rockets. Yeah, yeah. And Tommaso... I mean, not to take away from Tommaso Ciampa, he, I think, almost kind of got overshadowed by the electricity of Velveteen Dream. Ciampa really held up his side of things here, too. He is arguably the best pure heel in WWE across the board, full stop. Who else do you know who can be as good as he is and get booed as heavily as he can? Nobody. Give Nia, give Nia Jax a couple of weeks. That's, oh, no. You said, you said the qualifier of as good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Yeah. Never mind. I, 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 <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I honed in on getting get booed as much as he can. No. Uh, you almost had a There's heel nobody t- doing what Tommaso Ciampa can, is doing right now. Almost had a heel turn yourself there, Mr. Mr. Howell. Right. Good Lord. <laughs> All of a sudden, you uh, come, that's going to be the worst if one day you come out on this show and go, I love Nia Jax. We're like, no, Nick, no. Who are you? I thought I knew you, man. Yeah, who even is this guy? Uh, who even is this? Uh, Nick Howell heel turn. But yeah, we both called Ciampa to retain here. It was just too early yep. for him to give up uh, the belt. Obviously. Velveteen Dream can eat the pin. No one gives a crap if he wins or loses at this point. He's just so over. Um, and he lo- he did look really good in defeat here. He took Ciampa to the limit. And only by DDTing him on the metal part in the center of the two rings, because it was war games. We had two yep. rings out there. Only way Ciampa could beat him, because he ate Ciampa's finishers, and that, that couldn't put him away. I will say I love that Ciampa's... Like shtick has become to pull the padding up on the outside of the ring. I, I kind of dig that as a thing. Like I'm, I just don't care. I'm going to end you. Right. Well, it's because his, his, he got the draping DDT is one of his special right. moves, finishers, whatever you want to call it. So it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it's it's also a very cool, as you say, trope. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, finally, finally, last but certainly not least. Of the four announced matches on this card, uh, I, I'm not even going to call the the Matt Riddle uh, match a, a match. It wasn't even a match. The the fourth real match. There was on a this referee. Card. There was a bell. There was a pin and a three count. That was a match. All right. War games. War games. The the massive, almost fifty minutes long final match <sighs> on this card. Good God. Um, undisputed era versus the Wall Waiters, Ricochet and Pete Dunn. Uh, they started off with Adam Cole and uh, Ricochet in the ring. The War Waiters and Pete Dunn were in a cage. Undisputed, the rest of Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong, and Kyle O'Reilly were also in a cage. 
Uh, and then, of course, the war the, the, the war games rules are so they're so dusty roads. <laughs> they're so yeah. convoluted. You just kind of have to just go along for the ride, right? Five minutes, and then one guy uh, from the team that gets the that had the advantage. They won the so undisputed era won the advantage in a singles match back on last week's NXT. So they had the advantage. They got the first guy to come in uh, out of the cage. So that then Ricochet was outnumbered, and then it went back and forth as it went. Um, bottom line is the match doesn't really start until everyone's in the ring, which was a problem because the last thing that happened before they could all get in was Bobby Fish locking Pete Dunn in the cage with his with the with the padlock from Bobby Fish's cage, and then throwing the key into the audience, and then the uh, WWE refs being super smart and not going and getting the key. And not getting bolt cutters. And so when it was time for Pete Dunn to come in the ring, they stood around there going, What it doesn't open. I don't know I don't understand. That was the one that was the one bad part of this match. And then the rest was absolute insanity. Yeah. Uh, you know we have to ask the kind of the there were certainly dozen or more spots and highlights that we could talk about in this match, but do the what I want to talk about here is kind of this is the second of the returning war games matches. Do we like this war games? Do we think that war games as a match format in general with the two rings, with the steel cage, it's leading to some really cool spots, but ultimately what purpose does it serve? And I, I'm not talking down to it. It is absolutely spectacular, but I like my matches to have endings. And when you take a bunch of different teams that aren't really, on the same or or superstars that aren't in the same faction. To me, War Games was always about faction versus faction. Sure. And last year it kind of worked because it was faction versus faction. It was three teams. That true. Which really helped. You had Undisputed Era versus Sanity versus AOP with Roderick Strong. Sure. And I, I personally I agree. I thought that dynamic worked better. Um so the at the end of the day I wanted I wanted to like this a lot more than I did. I certainly loved all of the spots that we got. I mean the ricochet double backflip moonsault. He did a moonsault. double moonsault a backwards moonsault. Is moon that salt. even still a moonsault? It's a double backflip off the top of the damn cage. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean one wrong move he's dead. Yeah. Well I mean but actually if you go back and look at it he came down Barely brushed Adam Cole. And of course, everyone fell down like they're supposed to. But he was going to land on his damn feet. He did it perfectly. He was going to land on his damn feet, whether or not someone was there. Come on, man. That, the level of skill to be able to pull that off is ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous. Hashtag because ricochet. Because ric- just, just ricochet things. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, so a- there, was, there, were, there were the spot. I mean, Hanson jumping off the opposite rope onto the table in the crossbody. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff You bring up on. Hanson. Speaking of ricochet, Hanson, Hanson, the biggest guy in the ring, was doing ricochet things in a match with ricochet in it. Ricochet was actually, I thought, fairly underutilized for the first half of this match. In fact, I thought the first half of this match was kind of slow and plotting and then not a lot really happened until pete dunn got in there threw in all of the the accoutrement the kendo sticks and the, the trash cans and the chairs well i guess undisputed air brought in the chairs once they had pete dunn locked in but still that's when it picked up and we started getting those big spots as you said hansen jumping from one rope onto a splash on the kyle O'Reilly and the other table uh hucking people around 
Yeah, there was a ton of crazy spots in this. How about Hanson doing the sprints back and forth endlessly between corner to corner, slamming into the undisputed era guys? I, I was, I was like, is he going to stop? I is was, he going to have a heart attack? That what is he was do? fantastic. The, I've never seen someone get over on doing one of those running spots at that size. I was exhausted, sitting on my couch, and Hanson outweighs me by a good hundred something pounds. That is, <laughs> there is some cardio on that big boy. Yeah, there is. Like we we, were, we, we were underestimate just how just how good he is. We were hot on War Raiders so. coming into WWE because yeah. we'd seen them in New Japan and on the Indies, and we knew how good they were. I'm so glad they were allowed to show that off in this match because they were the revelation, I think, to most people. Most people understood at this point that Undisputed Era is full of talented guys. They know that yep. Ricochet is a freak. They know that Pete Dunne is ridiculously talented. But I don't think they'd really seen what War Raiders can do now they got to see what they can do. I think they got a taste, yeah. Mm, absolutely. A pretty big taste. So at the end of the day for me on, on this match, I I, I said on, on the our, re, our weekly show on Thursday or Friday, I should say, um, that to me this was all about Ricochet and Pete Dunne. Yeah. That's why I called it the way I did. Yeah. And at the end of the match, I thought it was interesting that um, we, we had a moment it was a positive moment, but there were some looks and some side eye that was going on that that has me interested. But why don't you why don't you kind of well no you you, uh, you run it, it right. run down how the match uh, ended. You picked here. it right. I mean, to go through the entire match, we've already run way over time here. But you know, to go through the entire match, just go watch the damn match. There's too much that happened to really to go moment. Yeah, it was almost an hour, moment guys. by moment. A lot of crazy stuff happened. There was a gi- oh god, the gigantic. Um, Power uh, power bomb where Hanson power bombed literally everybody else but Ricochet off of the the, the ring. Of I, I the don't cage. even know what that was. I don't even know either. I think Marinelli. What was that? It was it was the giant <laughs> Christmas tree of woe. I don't even know what to call it. But uh, so no, there's too much in this match to go through. It ended with Adam Cole trying to repeat what he did last year and ended up getting caught in a bitter end by Pete Dunne. And then Ricochet came in with a 450 splash. They both pinned Adam Cole at the same time. Stood up with their respective belts, as you said. Gave each other the side eye. Wasn't really sure if that was a sign of respect or a sign that we got unfinished business. I don't. A little bit of both, I think. Probably, yeah. Uh, I don't. And then they both climb to the top of the cage, almost do the same thing, yeah. posing a little bit. Yeah. You get a little bit of side eye, a little bit of mine's bigger than yours, yeah. belt high, belt raising kind of stuff. I, I think there's more here. I think there's more Ricochet and Pete Dunne. And with that said, if with the NXT UK firing up, how much longer do we have Pete Dunne in the UK? Does he take the UK championship back to England? Right. Well, and let's, I, don't, I don't know what Triple H has in store for And let's that remember that, that they'd had a match that went to a non-finish. They had a match that was a triple threat where Ricochet got the, the pinfall victory over Pete Dunne. So Correct. Pete Dunne still theoretically could get a pinfall victory over Ricochet. And there's more to be done there, or they could let it go either way. But there's still other feuds that we can see coming out of this. War Raiders now has a victory over Undisputed Era. They could be going for the tag belts. There's a lot that could happen here. I could actually see Undisputed Era at this point coming up as like an outsider's faction or NWO faction onto the main roster and wreaking havoc. They're, you know, if, if we said that Undisputed Era was going to pick up this match because they needed to establish that they were running NXT, if they're not going to run NXT, then they got to get the hell out of NXT. They either have to be the yeah. team that is ru- like running rampant, or they need to go somewhere else where they can run rampant. Period. You know, we, we've been we've been on the Raw tag division all year, if not longer. We've now got a little bit of glimmers of hope with the revival and AOP as the tag champions. You throw Undisputed Era into that mix, 
and if, uh, somebody's got to be face at some point. I don't know. Oh, Hope's, hope springs eternal <laughs> when it comes to NXT call-ups. We've seen so many get wasted, but we still are just like, well, maybe this time, maybe this time they'll do it Every right. Every time, maybe this oh, time. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of speculation as to where we go with the fallout from this. Here's the final question with this War Games match, and you, you started off with this, and I'll finish with this, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, was this better or worse than the match from last year? And and whatever it was, uh, do you think that you feel that way because there was a match last year? And third part of this question, should this continue next year? So first part is I think I enjoyed the last year's first because of the novelty of it coming back and the fact that we had multiple factions all going in as sort of a super brawl. And I think that is the hidden secret of war games is you need to turn it into a almost no holds barred cage match of like 10 to 20 dudes and just having them beat the hell out of each other. And if it's four factions or something that's almost aligned with the tag uh, survivor series match, something there's gotta be enough chaos going on in there to, to make it worth having two rings connected and a giant steel cage around it. I don't think that delivered this much this year as it did. So that's kind of, but, but I did not like it. Should it continue next year? Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to see the tag division in NXT continue to be as dominant as it has been, and there's no reason they can't continue to build and promote these factions the way they've done so. Look at what they've done with just Sanity and Undisputed Era in the last three to four years. Fantastic. It's, it's been fun to watch, and that's just two of them. So all of the other tag teams that have come up, come through, or, and are up there now... <sighs> The, the, the NXT tag division has zero problems. So there's no reason they can't continue to have these War Games matches. I want a reason to be excited about it all over again each year, though. So find a way to ratchet it up or include more tag teams or, or something. But it can't just be recycled yeah. every year. I, I agree. And actually, that was, that was, I think I, I'm going to echo your sentiments on a, on a fairly on most of them, is that I thought that last year's was better because it was something new, it was the novelty, and, as you said, the dynamic of having three teams in there, so it was more chaotic. There was more opportunity for people to fight other people, whereas this one, and they even had the shot on this one where they were all lined up down the middle of the ring staring each other down, and it was just two teams, and so there was less opportunity for people to fight, I thought. Um, and as a result, this one definitely felt like it was a little bit in the shadow of last year's. Also, like I said, it took a little bit for this one to get out of the blocks um, to really get going. The not, and, and again, as you said, not that this was a bad match. This was amazing. This was an absolutely barn burner fantastic match. It just was in the shadow of last year's. And I think that if they're going to have one next year, they've got to be careful that the novelty doesn't wear off and they find enough new things about it to keep it exciting. Otherwise, it, the, it will very quickly become a, not a chore, but it won't be as, as exciting and thrilling as it should be. And whether that's having four tag teams in there or having it be whatever they do to find it to make it even crazier. You know what I mean? It's no DQ. Have Lars Sullivan come in and scale the cage and just jump in and start killing everybody for no reason. Lars Sullivan's now or, on the main roster, so that's not going to happen. I'm using it as a wild example. You know, come on. <laughs> give, me, just give me a break. Nick. Nick, Nick. Something, have Nick. some kind of anomaly happen that's just not formulaic. Lars, Lars right? is gone, Nick. Let it go. 
Lars is, he, your boy is gone. He's off in the wild blue yonder. No! He's going to the main roster, Nick. He's going to be exposed. Into irrelevance. He's gonna, no. He's, he's going down into the main roster, and it might be, all be over for Lars Sullivan, Nick. It might all be over. My God. Oh. There's no way that guy disappears into irrelevance, and that means exactly, <laughs> oh, well, especially don't. with Vince McMahon at the helm, he is going to be doing something Nick, with that, with his size. If there's one thing we've learned something. from the, the long time that we've been doing this show is never say never. Never say never unless it's that Enzo Amore will never work for the WWE again. That's something you can say never right. about. That is something you can say right. never about. So... <laughs> Final thoughts about this whole takeover. Where does this rank all time? Everyone was saying this is one of the best takeovers of all time. I I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is one of the best takeovers of all time? No. No. Interesting. Why? Why? Why not? What is it? What? Are, what were your reasons for not thinking it was? Was it just like a general? I, I sense? don't. I don't know because you're putting me on the spot oh. here, and I don't have all of the like bullet points of every takeover. Why don't and what you the highlights have all were the and, answers, Nick? You're you're the you're the you're the writer here. You're the creative know, director. So I I just show up and hit record and start <laughs> running my mouth. You're the tech. That's where all this shit comes from out of my crazy right. head. And I just no wondered if there was something off the top of your head. We were like, oh man, no, that one, the Brooklyn was I'm, was I, the best. I'm hard pressed. Uh, I think Takeover New Orleans this year uh, before WrestleMania so was one yeah. that I. I don't know if that one will be able to be topped. Let's see what happens when Gargano and Champa get back together. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. I, they did such a good job with that one, and frankly, even Brooklyn in in the summer, I, I dare I say, I enjoyed it better. But we, the rise of this feud between Gargano and Champa, and all of the matches that Gargano had last f- summer to fall on the his rise, his ascension before Champa came back. There were, I mean, last year's Brooklyn, and then um, uh, War Games last. It really year. hasn't been a bad Brooklyn, Just, I don't think. But uh, there, there hasn't been a bad takeover. Let's be clear. <laughs> there hasn't been a bad takeover. There's been some yet. mediocre ones. But, the, but, but to, 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 for my take on it, I agree with you. I think this, uh, and this is, I'm going to do a little hot take here. I think this was very forgettable. I thought it was a very forgettable takeover. I thought that the Johnny Gargano, Alistair Black match was the most memorable match on the card, but that it, even it will be somewhat forgotten because it didn't really have any big place in terms of the plot. It's in the middle of both of their storylines. Uh, there's nothing really on the it show. It kind of did, though. It kind of did, though. But I think in, it was the blow-off of the who attacked Alistair Black, who done it story that we've been on. You know how months. you just had a hard time picking out like what was like some of the old takeovers? This is going to be one of those. This is going to be like one of the ones where you had Bobby Roode versus, uh, I don't know, Shinsuke Nakamura or Samoa Joe. Where it's like, oh, yeah, there was that one. That one happened, too. You know what I mean? I, there's, a, there's a few takeovers I can think of that were stronger than this one, uh, whether it was our evolution or one of the Brooklyn's or, as you said, I thought New Orleans this year was stronger. Uh, this is a takeover that was really, really good, top to bottom. Takeovers, as you said, are quality shows every time. But I honestly think that, the, first of all, it wasn't the first War Games match, so that it's, that's gonna, it's gonna be in the shadow of last year's War Games match. Uh, Ciampa Velveteen Dream is not gonna be remembered as Ciampa's best title defense. That goes to Johnny Gargano. Um, or, or, you know, title match or whatever. Um, the Gargano Black isn't going to be remembered as anything beyond something in the middle of both of their careers in NXT. It's a solid match, but it didn't, it's not going to, you know, be an all time great NXT match. We've already had four right. or five matches on takeovers on NXT early this year that are better than that match. Sorry. 
and Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler also in the middle of their kind of the, the end tail end middle of their feud and it was such a muddled ending that no one's it's not going to be a well-remembered takeover it's just not and I'm sorry to Stephen A. Smith it but everyone who's everyone who's still high on the show but it's not it's really not as good as it was it's not going to be very memorable well, guys, there's our recap and our analysis of both NXT TakeOver War Games 2 and this year's Survivor Series. Man, a lot went down this weekend, but <laughs> uh, hopefully God. we got you covered there so you don't have to sit through almost eight hours of programming. You can just sit through our two-hour two show hours and get of all of it and the recaps. Oh, it was a WrestleMania. Our two hours of oh, programming. Oh, man. Uh, as a, they do a pre-show, we do a post-show. <laughs> Um, but as always, you can head over to Facebook, join us on the busted wide open discussion group. Let us know your thoughts, how you guys felt about survivor series and NXT takeover war games. We definitely want to hear from you guys. Follow us and let us know on Twitter at BWO podcast as well. If you like this show and what we do, head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO sign up for one of our tiers for just $5 a month. You can get in and submit your questions to the show for, for Ian and I to answer right here every Thursday when we record our weekly show, or you can sign up for our bonus episodes or many other tiers that are over there as well. Uh, last but certainly not least head over to YouTube, sign up for our YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Busted Wide Open. Uh, I think the address is youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Don't forget to hit the little notification bell so you get alerted anytime we upload new videos or go live, which we will be coming, coming soon. soon. We're I have live. ordered new desks and studio furniture have yes. been ordered. Hint, hint, wink, uh, wink. We are close. I can't wait. Uh, and that being said... We do have our regular show, our Fallout show, uh, that we're going to be going over Raw and SmackDown, the Fallout from Survivor Series, NXT, the Fallout from TakeOver, 205 Live, the Fallout from Survivor Series, as well as news from New Japan, Ring of Honor, and so much more. Listener questions, as you said, Nick, uh, probably won't be out till Friday because there happens to be a little bit of a holiday. Due to, due, due to the uh, mass genocide of Native oh, Americans Jesus. and the celebration of gift towel sets. Uh, this week, we won't be recording yeah, our we'll, show until Friday. We'll, we will have that out as soon we, as possible. It's, it's hard to record a show when you're just blissed out on tryptophan. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah if, you're, yes. if, you're, if you're one of our listeners overseas in Australia or uh, in Europe or England or anywhere else like that, it's is, it is Thanksgiving this week in the good old U.S. of A., the, the holiday where we celebrate gluttony, America. And consumerism. No, that's the next day. That's the that's Black Friday. Is uh, the consumerism yeah. holiday. Anyway, so we, right. we might be a little late this week getting out our Fallout show, but it will be coming Friday. It will be coming. Check it out, and uh, we will be having plenty to say about the Fallout. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, but somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.